This is Malma Jarvis. This is another edition of Radio Soup. So last episode, last show episode, whatever you want to call it, I talked to Rob Paulson, who's a one of the Animaniacs voices. He's a head and neck cancer survivor. And we're following along that theme because coming up is the head and neck Cancer Alliance Awareness Week, and I'm talking to Jason Mendelson. He is also a head and neck HPV throat cancer survivor, I should say. We were diagnosed at 44 with stage four. That must have been kind of scary. Very scary. So, I um, honestly never heard of the diagnosis when I got diagnosed. So yes, to hear that you have cancer and that it's stage four, and it's a cancer that you've never heard of before. I was um, stage four HPV tonsil cancer. It was certainly scary and depressing all at the same time. Scary out of nowhere. So how did you find out about it? Like, what led to the, your diagnosis? So I was, I happened to be taking a financial exam, so I work within the financial services world. I was taking a securities exam, had placed my hand on my face, to, and then moved it down to my neck 30 seconds into the test, felt a bump. Passed the test, went home, showed my father who's a physician the bump, and said, what do I do? What is this? It's out of nowhere, never felt it before. He said, let's call the ENT. We called the ENT. He said, come see me in a few weeks. Yep. You don't smoke you don't drink heavily come see me i'm like great i'll be there on monday so he said that to me on a thursday monday i was in his office they put me on 10 days of antibiotics and steroids they said in the slight chance it doesn't go away we'll immediately schedule you for a needle biopsy cat scan i had never actually heard that last part because outside of the bump of my neck i had no other issues right like no throat pain no issues anywhere Two days later, left for the Keys on vacation. Ran the equivalent of a 5K. I felt that good. Sunday, flew from the Keys to D.C., where I lobbied on Capitol Hill for my primary industry. Flew home on a Wednesday. Thursday, had a CAT scan. Friday, had a needle biopsy. Monday, found out I had stage 4 cancer. Holy crap. And, yeah, you know what? That's what it was like, honestly. It was no time, right? I mean, married three kids, busy working 50 to 70 hours a week, traveling two to three times a month all over the country, feeling great, and all of a sudden cancer shows up at the front door. Yeah, that's what happened to me too. I Sorry? Totally fine. And then doctor's like, oh, you have cancer? I'm like, what? That can't be right. But I've, you know, you have a, an unusual last name, so do I. It's like, okay, well, I don't think they got my, my results mixed up with anybody else, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was honestly, so I find out I have this diagnosis, right, stage four HPV tonsil cancer, and um, and at the time, which again, I'm sure we'll talk about a little later, where the staging of my cancer was downgraded. Yeah. So, but at the time, I, um, you know, ended up having a, first of all, I called my family and out of nowhere telling them my cancer was just unbelievably shocking to everyone. I called my life insurance agents and said, please make sure my life insurance is on automatic draft. I I can't afford this to to lapse. And they're like, what are you talking about? So I'm explaining that to them. I, you know, ended up having a radical tonsillectomy, neck dissection, so 42 lymph nodes removed from my neck, followed by seven weeks of, of chemo, radiation, and a feeding tube, and even made videos to my kids saying goodbye. Wow. Yeah, I mean, stage four was... It was honestly like an out-of-body experience. My videos, by the way, because it feels like they were just yesterday that I made them, but they went something like this. One day you're going to get married. I'm not going to be there. This is what's what's important. So today my twins are, my boy-girl twins are 18. My son is 12. 
I've been married 23 years, but at the time, the twins were 12, and uh, my son was six. Wow. And so it was just mentally exhausting and crippling at the time. So did they assume that since it was stage four, the doctors, that you weren't going to make it? Because I know stage four is always the grim, I mean, the grim notice, I should say. Yeah, yeah. so let me, I'll explain that to you briefly, because again, years later, things changed. So when I was diagnosed, I had never heard of HPV tonsil cancer, which later I learned was, or pharyngeal cancer, which meant tongue, throat, tonsil. Um, for a while, I said I had oral cancer, which was really the front of the mouth, not what I had. And people called it throat cancer. But anyway, I had never heard of it. And, um, and I'd heard of other cancers, right? Breast cancer, prostate cancer, pancreatic cancer, all these other cancers. This was one I'd never heard of. But when they told me I had you know, stage four tonsil cancer, they also told me at the same time that if I just did surgery and radiation, there was an 85% chance that I would be fine. I then said to them, what happens if I had chemo? And they said, that would add another five to 7% that you'll be okay. And so I said to them, well, I'm gonna do everything. And they said, are you sure? I'm like, if I expected my kids to study harder to get a 92 in a math test versus an 85, I'm certainly gonna fight to live and do everything I need to do. Right. But years later, so at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, they downgraded the staging due to the survival rate of people with the same diagnosis. So if I were diagnosed in 2018, I would have been stage one. Oh, wow. So there's all these people like me that from 2014 to 17 or earlier, I'm sure were stages three and four because that's the way that cancer was staged. But then there's people now over the last two years who are really coming in at stage one and two with the same exact situation. Does that make sense? That, that, that's crazy. And it has everything. Yeah, I mean, it has everything to do with what you said. Like, I heard stage four literally videos to my kids saying goodbye. Wow. And who would have thought their survival rate would have been 85%? Whereas if you have head and neck cancer that's smoking and alcohol related, the survival rate, I've been told, is 35% or less. Oh. So it has everything to do with the HPV diagnosis. So HPV is mostly known as, uh, I don't want to say a woman's disease, but you mostly hear HPV as that. Was that kind of surprising for you? I mean, you know, coming, let's, let's talk about it in layman's terms, like, you, like I've never heard of HPV. It just seems like a lot of HPV sounds more of a gynecological cancer. So HPV is the main reason for cervical cancer for right. women. Although I will also tell you that in the last 18 months, HPV or pharyngeal cancer, again, tongue, throat, tonsil, surpassed cervical cancer. Oh. And so when I was diagnosed back to 2014, I barely knew what the word, you know, the letters HPV stood for, right? It's human papillomavirus. I then learned that it was the most common sexually transmitted disease right. on the planet. When people, I found out that through oral sex, I was in college, I likely was exposed to the virus. Strain 16 and 18 are the most common that you always hear, but 16 for, for pharyngeal cancer. And out of 100 people that get exposed, 2% of the people, their body doesn't fight off the virus. Oh. So they believe I was exposed in college. It laid dormant in my throat. Decades later at 44, it showed up as a bump on my neck. When I did research, I also learned that three out of four adults by 30 have HPV, 62% of freshmen in college, 
and that men between 40 and 60 are the most highly diagnosed, although women are diagnosed as well, but men are the most highly diagnosed decades after being exposed. So when I first got diagnosed, people would say to my wife and to me occasionally directly, why isn't he embarrassed to go public or tell people? And after I did my research, I thought, you know what, if three out of four adults by 30 have HPV, I don't know why I would ever be embarrassed. Right. Wow. I mean, why would you be embarrassed if you want to share the knowledge and be like, hey, you might want to check this out if you have a lump on your throat or, you know, you're, if you can't breathe or whatever the other symptoms are? I mean, why wouldn't you want to tell anybody about it? Well, correct. But I mean, reality is not many people have gone public. Right. You know, again, I'm, I'm a guy who launched a website, which we'll talk about later, supermanhpv.com, mm-hmm. back in 2017. And I have probably two to four patients, caregivers, survivors from all over the world reach out to me weekly. And the only reason that is is because so few people have gone public, and people tell me all the time they no longer feel alone. So for me, it was, hey, if three out of four adults by 30 have this, why would I be embarrassed? But also, the HPV vaccine can pr- protect you know, future boys and girls from ever getting diagnosed with preventable cancer. So to me, it was like I felt responsible for helping educate people regarding HPV, the vaccine, as well as HPV um, cancers in general, if that makes sense. That does make sense, yes. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, you could prevent your son, your sons from getting it. I mean, just for the vaccine. Well, cor- right, I was going to say, correct. I mean, my son and my daughter, right, they're 18 today. Right. They had vaccine years ago. And my 12-year-old son, if you can protect your kids from going through the hell of head and neck treatment, mm-hmm. which, you know, I had third-degree burns in my throat, was in bed 18 hours a day for a month, gagging and choking, you know, becoming dehydrated with ever, without ever having diarrhea, throwing up, Ugh. or I'm sweating because of the, because of, because of the third-degree burns, sucking the fluid from the inside out. Um, if you can protect your kids from having their head clipped onto a table five days a week for seven weeks for radiation, and I mean, just it seems like, you know, if there's a vaccine that protected uh, your daughter from getting breast cancer or your son from getting prostate cancer, yeah, everybody would give it to their kids. But because HPV deals with sex, people focus on the sex, not on the cancer prevention. And right. so I went public to be able to hopefully save hundreds of thousands of lives of boys and girls for generations to come. Right. And so um, anyway, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but that was one of the reasons I found and became active with the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance, with Screening Week that we have coming up, which really takes place all year, and with the Survivorship Symposium. All these things are really about protecting people and hopefully educating people about preventable cancer. Well, yeah, and that's important because, like you said, 44 HPV, you're like, what? Like, what What are these letters? I mean, usually you think of, like, letters you want to hear. Oh, I'm going to watch ABC, NBC, not you don't want to hear about HPV. So I'm proud of you for yeah. <laughs> for standing up and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to be embarrassed about this because you could, you know, someone could listen to this and be like, oh, you know what, I need to get my kid vaccinated for HPV, you know, if they're going off to college or, you know, even if they're not staying in town or wherever, whatever they're doing because you never know. And you should never be embarrassed to talk to your kids about sex because that's your job, honestly. You know, I feel, I agree with you 100%. I apologize for speaking over you. I think it's just a wireless connection. But yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, if you can protect your kids, the people you love, that you're responsible for protecting, whether it's your kids or your grandkids, right? Mm -hmm. Because the HPV vaccine is for kids really between nine and they normally get it between 9 and 12 or 9 and 13. 
a lot of times people say 11 and 13, but I was just at a conference. I was a survivor speaker at Moffitt Cancer Center, American Cancer Society, this past Wednesday on, um, it was International HPV Awareness Day, and I was the speaker there, and they were talking about giving the vaccine as early as age nine, and that's the new recommendation, nine to like 12. Wow. Either way, you know, just becoming knowledgeable. I'm not a doctor, which I probably should have said from the beginning. Right. Um, I always have to give that, you know, disclosure. I am simply a cancer survivor who decided to go public to hopefully save lives worldwide. And um, and just actually another reason I'm thrilled to be on, on your program today because I'm hoping that my story will become as well known as yours <laughs> and, that, and that future generations of people will be protected. They'll learn about, you know, oral head and neck cancer awareness week coming up they'll learn about you know headandneck.org which is the website for head and neck cancer alliance they'll know my website superman hpv and again i don't sell anything just so we're clear it's all about advocacy and awareness exactly to help uh, to help others so when i mentioned websites or mentioned the symposium coming up in july selling nothing simply helping people should be the underlying theme for today for right me. oh yeah Oh, yeah, we don't get paid for this stuff, so it's all about helping people. Okay. That's the most important thing. You know, so so talk to me about yeah, Superman HPV. So, and again, if I speak too, too much about this, I'm really passionate about it. I am, when I was first diagnosed, I Googled to learn more about HPV-related head and neck cancer, and everything I read about regarding head and neck cancer was people's teeth falling out, jaws cracking, hearing loss, it was so depressing, honestly. And I thought at the time, there's got to be something that has more positive information. Well, truly, I never found anything. So when I survived, I decided I would start a website. I chose the name Superman HPV because my it's, I don't have a Superman complex, just so we're clear. <laughs> I'm not an egomaniac. My friends, I don't think of myself as a superhero. My friends called me Superman during chemo and radiation. Makes sense. Saying that I was Superman tough. And so I thought if I choose a, you know, a clever name like Superman HPV, maybe I'll draw attention to the website, which in turn will help educate more people. Well, what happened was an NBC News reporter was writing an article about HPV, found my website, called me on my cell phone, asked if she could include my website in her article back in 2017 and I said sure because that's why I created it obviously because right. my reason for creating it was to was to provide inspiration and information for those diagnosed and or researching HPV the HPV vaccine or HPV related cancers and within 24 hours of her article being released 10 people reached out to me oh that's awesome saying yeah they were saying things like I no longer feel alone and so I emailed her and said, thank you so much. Your article was a big hit. Ten people reached out to me, and she immediately emailed me back and said, NBC Nightly News is likely going to reach out to you. 500,000 people read the article. Cool. <laughs> wow. 24 hours later, I was getting out of my car at the airport, and I was going to a meeting for, my co for our industry, and they called and said, we'd like to interview you. And I said, great, I'm flying to Nashville. I'll be back. In four days, can we do it next week? And they said to me, literally, this medical reporter for NBC said, we've already sent a crew to your house. They'll be there in two hours. If you'd like to be on the news, it's going to be this evening. Are you able to be home? 
I had immediately turned my car around. If I was ever going to get divorced, by the way, it would have been the, the next three minutes when I had to call my wife and tell her. I was like, hey, Ronnie, where are you? She's like, what are you talking about? I said, NBC News is on the way to our house. They want to interview you and the kids, and it's going to be on TV tonight. <laughs> my wife was like a ninja. She was like, I need to get my hair done, my nails done. The house, like, she was so quick. <laughs> And it all worked out perfectly, and we appeared on the news that evening on with, on the Lester Holt NBC Nightly News. Anyway, I tell you all that because I launched this website to help people, and I have a blog section about you know being mentally strong, yes. you know mindset. Hopefully, the website provides people with the information, but the inspiration that this is all temporary. Just one more day, you can get through it, and then lead a nice, normal life and hopefully inspire and encourage others. And it has a section where I, you know, have a list of many of the links where my story has been shared called In the Media. And so anyway, that's the website. It's really something positive, not jaws cracking and hearing loss. Right. Not a lot of uh, spouses and family members would be like, oh, okay, you're, who's coming over? NBC News what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me explain to you. My wife is wonderful. And I know, you know, I don't mean Facebook wonderful, where everybody looks like they're wonderful on Facebook. Right. I mean, she, I've known her since I was a little kid, since I was a little kid, and she is a wonderful person who has been supportive all the way. You know, a lot of times people are like, you know, does your wife or your kids just wish that you survived and then moved on? And my wife and kids understand that I'm passionate about, you know, not only sharing my story, but answering survivors, patients, caregivers, being on the executive board of the Head Neck Cancer Alliance, the symposium, and all these things. Um, and there's a lot more than what I've mentioned today. I mean, I, right. I'm on the HB, I, I work with the American Cancer Society's HPV Roundtable and, and do other things, the local hospital that, that some of my doctors were on the board of, or not board, but, you know, uh, staff of Advent Health, and just different things that, you know, my wife, she's a gem. She, because my kids were little at the time, her job was to protect my kids from worrying that their father was going to pass away. Right. And she did a remarkable job of providing that love while also being the caregiver for me so my kids wouldn't be nervous. Oh, that's good. Because that's, I mean, that's huge. I don't, I don't have kids, but, you know, the caregiver's role is very important. And I think finally people are realizing that sometimes the caregivers need support as well because it's a lot... It's, it's a shock for us, the survivors, you know, the cancer patients, but the caregivers, it's like, they're just like, what, well, what, I don't know. There's no rules for me either. I don't know what to do. So thumbs up to your wife. I'm sure she could write a couple posts on your blog about how to be a caregiver as well. Yeah, it's, you know, it's very interesting because I have caregivers reach out to me from all over um, the country and the world. And they're just looking to support the people they love that are diagnosed with this cancer. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, the caregivers, like, freak out in front of you, and you're just like, you know, as, as the cancer patient, you're like, you're not supposed to do that. But then you have to realize, well, okay, well, they need support too. So, you know, it's 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 hard. But I'm, I'm glad that finally, you know, you're helping survivors, and, you know, they see what your wife is doing, and they can grab some inspiration from that as well. You know what, they really need help because the survivor or the, or the cancer patient is the one that gets all the attention. Right. Where the caregiver is not only dealing with the 
as you know, they're dealing with the person who's been diagnosed, but then they're dealing with the kids, or they're dealing with the parents, or they're dealing, you know, their own emotions. Like, who cares for the caregiver? I yeah. honestly think that would be a great article. Who cares for the caregiver? Because they are, again, the backbone of making sure that life goes on during cancer, which is not always very easy. No. They're the lifeline. They're the unsung hero, for sure. For sure. And that must have been hard. Like, I agree with you. I, I never had the radiation on the head. I had it, you know, on my, on my breast and stuff. And I thought the radiation was the, like, that freaked me out the most. And I had a friend of mine who had a brain tumor. And I saw her, whatever the thing they put over your head. And I immediately had a panic attack. I was like, ah, get that out of the room. I can't deal with that. And they're like, oh. Like, they didn't realize how much that would freak me out. But I mean, you know, I, I couldn't even, even imagine being strapped down to a machine like that. Because like I said, the radiation was like, you know, that scared me the most. Because they're like, okay, well, you know, breathe normally. But if you breathe in too much, you know, the radiation can get into your lungs. And all you hear is like, if, you know, if you breathe in too much, your lungs will get exposed to radiation. And you're like, huh? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, because... <Yeah. laughs> so you're not, you know, yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's not a normal thing to like, okay, well, we're just going to be outside in the other room. Well, we're going to close you into this giant room and then just just relax for about five ten minutes like oh what you know yeah i mean i mean to have your head put down when you can't swallow yeah it's just really scary i mean honestly that's i mean i was fine for weeks and i I talked to someone today actually i talked to two people today and the answer is learn to separate your mind from your body yeah right lay there go go to your happy place don't think about the fact that your your head's clipped down and hopefully pipe music in from your iPhone that allows you to relax. Yes. I tell that. I say that to everyone. I'm like, you know what? It is not going to be pleasant, but you're not going to focus on the unpleasant. You're going to focus on what life's going to be like after cancer, which I'm sure is really the same peak cancer patient with any cancer they have, right? Right. It's just that the radiation for head and neck cancer is brutal, although temporary, which is what I'm always stressing with cancer patients, you know. Right worldwide because if anything's temporary you can handle it and that's again if we if you don't mind if i jump back to yes oral head neck cancer awareness week and the symposium reality is the reason we are so focused on prevention detection treatment it is all because we want to prevent people really through the screenings forever ending up with all of these issues that can arise if you get diagnosed to beat the cancer Exactly. We want to detect it early. Detect it early is the largest chance for survival, and and that's honestly the most important, right? And and I think you're right, and I think advocacy, like you and I doing what we do, we really want to put ourselves out of a job. That's my thing. That would be awesome. Yeah. You know, if if we didn't have to, like, advocate for, you know, you for head and neck cancer and me for breast cancer, like, all right. I mean, wouldn't that be a wonderful world? What would we do? We'd have, you know, that would be amazing. The World um, the World Health Organization, even though we're talking about head and neck cancer, just to mention this because in case people listen and, and this helps them with other areas. Yes. The World Health Organization charged countries to eliminate cervical cancer, and they believe that countries believe they can do that through increasing HPV vaccination rates. And I think it's Australia... Canada and the U.S. stood up and said, we're going to be the first country to eliminate cervical cancer for women. And so I will tell you that my goal would be hopefully increase HPV vaccination rates. So exactly what you and I are talking about now, that HPV oropharyngeal cancer 
is something that is eliminated as well yes. through increasing those vaccination rates, but certainly, again, back to where we were, the people that are diagnosed currently going through treatment or survivors will, you know, realize that they'll be okay yes. and that this is a beatable cancer. And like you said, it's temporary, but when you're in the moment and, you know, when you first get diagnosed to like, okay, well, it's going to be like a year of treatment or whatever it goes, it's like, you're like a year, you know, and you picture like the light at the end of the tunnel, like a train, and it's just like so small. But then as you get closer you know, and closer, it's, 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 you know, I'm not going to say it's a breeze because not at any point, any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, you can get through it. And, you know, you, the thing about being a survivor is like you and I can talk about radiation. I didn't have the same thing that you did, but we have similar stories. So, you know, even if I'm not a head and neck cancer survivor, if somebody reaches out to me and they say, oh, my God, I can't deal with this. You know, I'm feeling depressed alone. It's like and, and that's the way I was. Someone told me it's like, you know, all survivors feel that way. And. When somebody told me this, and I don't remember what kind of survivor they were, what type of cancer they had, like a giant weight lifted off my shoulder because I felt so alone and so isolated by just the fact that, you know, you, as you know, you talk to your friends and it's like, you know, oh my God, you know, here he is again. Here's Jason. He's going to talk about his cancer and I just don't want to hear about it. You know, because, you know, someone might ask you how you're doing today, how's your cancer, and then they're, they're like the 10th person to ask you, and you're like, uh, can you just tell me about your day, and I want to hear about your kids and your dog and, you know, what you had for lunch today. I don't right. want to talk about my cancer. So that's another thing I tell people, you know, you don't have to talk about their cancer. Bring up, you know, talk about your favorite sport, like your kids like basketball or, you know, I like hockey or whatever your favorite TV show is. Anything to get their mind off it. You know, if they want to bring up cancer, fine. But you don't, you know, you might not be aware of, like, you're the 15th person to ask them and their head is going to explode because cancer is the last thing they want to talk about. So I always tell people, you know, let them bring it up in the conversation. It doesn't always have to be about that because your friend isn't just about cancer when they're a cancer survivor and when they're going through treatment because that's, as you know, what a cancer survivor feels like when they're in the moment. Yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with you. I also tell people, which I'm sure you would agree with, that when you're diagnosed and, and you're going through the treatment or even post, don't hang around people that are depressing. Mm -hmm. That all they want to do is talk about the gloom and doom of cancer. I mean, I'm like, hang around the most positive people you know and just surround yourself with positivity. Exactly. And that is what is most likely going to keep you getting through each day and keeping your mind on something that will inspire you to move on and to do more and to help others and to just, you know, just everyone, no one's going to disagree that being positive makes right. your daily routine better than not being positive. And so, you know, there are people that you want to stay clear of <laughs> yes. during um, treatment. And that's okay. You know, there's some people that, you know, I've, I have a really good friend and she just, she just couldn't be around me when I had my treatment, and I was very hurt by that. But then, I mean, we're really good friends now, and it's just like, you know what? I don't know what her relationship to cancer was. So maybe she saw a relative of hers just, you know, go through the worst. And, you know, when she saw me, she was like, it reminds me of her aunt or grandma or whoever. So, you know, if somebody says, I can't deal with you, 
you know, either let them go. And if they want to come back into your life, that's up to you. But don't be, I, I don't know. I would, I was upset with her for a while, but then I'm like, you know, she might've seen stuff that I don't even want to know about. So, and she's one of my best friends. So you, you gotta, you know, if, if somebody doesn't want to be around you, that might hurt you at the time. But, you know, like you said, you gotta just worry about you. Find your, find, like you said before, find your happy place, find your friends that, you know, if you just want to call somebody and say, you know what, let's go out and grab a burger. I don't want to think about cancer. We'll just watch, you know, something stupid on TV or Netflix or whatever and enjoy the day. That's what you should do. I agree. Don't worry about other, what other people think because, you know, you should focus on you as, a, as the survivor. I agree. Thinking about sharing my story or speaking to you or just other, th- other you know, things over the years as far as how I could, br- pr- um, how I could bring humor into my story. Mm-hmm. I tried to do it in such a way where it would, you know, make others feel at ease. And I was just going to tell you, I don't think I said at the beginning, if I did, just forget that I said this twice, we can say it's chemo brain, but um, <laughs> the number one question I get asked by people literally every week and worldwide just in general is when they find out my diagnosis, and certainly at the beginning was, is that what Michael Douglas had? Oh, yes. And I always tell people, it's the one thing he and I have in common outside of our love for Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> And I don't know if I said that at the beginning of our No, discussion. that's awesome. And then, okay, and then the other thing is I always get asked, or I always tell people, because you try to find the positive in every day, for probably three weeks, maybe four. I was in bed 18 hours a day for a month. Oh. Around three to four weeks, I was in, 18, in bed 18 hours a day. And it was because I was just so tired from radiation mm-hmm. and nauseous from chemo. So unlike other chemo, other cancers that have chemo, I did not lose my hair. Although I don't have much hair, so when people ask me that, I always tell them the reason I don't have hair is for male pattern baldness. It has nothing to do with chemo because people still ask me that. But I had cisplatin, which makes you feel really nauseous. But in general, people don't throw up, nor do they lose their hair. Right. So it's a different type of chemo. Um, I talked about surgery burns in my throat, and the radiation was just so tiring. So I was in bed 18 hours a day for a month. So I always tell people the only good thing about that was that I got to watch seven years of Lost in two and a half weeks. <laughs> Although the ending was lousy, but I did get to watch that much TV. And um, so I did try to find something positive yes. about that. So anyway, when, I t- when people saw me and they didn't know I had cancer, they're like, wow, you lost weight. You look great. I'm like, cancer, it's the best diet I ever had. They're like, uh, uh, what? Not recommended, but just saying. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, you have to find the humor in it. That's for sure. Because, you know. You know, I think so. I think so. I um, I had a note here just because I wanted to make sure I also touched on this. As part of the, the doing good and helping others, mm-hmm. through the Head Neck Cancer Alliance, we have a gas card program, oh, which nice. I'm really proud to be a part of, where we provide $50 gas cards to patients who need assistance with transportation costs to um, treatment. And so that's just another reason when we talk about advocacy work and helping others, why I was drawn to this organization, because they are helping so many people, which again, I didn't need help financially getting to treatment. I did have someone who drove me because I was just so tired Right. to, I had radiation five days a week. And on Thursdays I had chemo. So I went to radiation and then chemo, which lasted the whole process around seven hours. So I did have someone drive me, but for people that have to drive themselves or financially it's a problem, they choose, should I go to treatment or can I afford it? Right. Um, the gas card program at the Head Neck Cancer Alliance 
does really a lot of good to help people there. So I just I wanted to mention that in case people hear that and they ring so, the bell with them. That it's so they can just contact the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance and, you know, I'm assuming there has to be, you can't just say, oh, I need a gas card, but you might want to say, hey, I, you know, I live like 15 miles away from my, from my treatment center and it's rough paying for gas since I can't work and everything. So you just probably have to fill out something and then you can get it. Correct. That's what you do. See, right. I mean, they can just go to headneck.org and it's listed there. Right. Awesome. Because that's, um, awesome. that's something you forget about, just the little things. I mean... I mean, gas isn't a little thing, but when you're looking at cancer treatment and the whole and your hospital bills and everything, it's like, oh, now I got to pay for gas too. Oh. Never realize it. Like again, for people, because we always say cancer. I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but cancer has no borders or no like it affects people that have nothing and people that have everything. Whether it's when I say that those concepts, I mean. Whether it's financially have nothing or relationship-wise right. have nothing or everything. I mean, it affects just everyone, right? Yes. And so, um, of all background, so I think the more help that people can have, someone's going to need something. Everyone needs something. So being surrounded with an organization that can provide, whether it's the mental support or the financial support or just, you know, my website or your website or mm -hmm. blogs or just... Anything that helps people, I just think, can only be good. And I have to tell people, even if you reach out to Jason or myself or anyone at the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance, they'll, they'll get back to you. And I always felt like uh, I, it's hard when you're going through it. It's like, oh, they're just going to, I'm just going to be another cancer patient that they're just going to hear from and they're going to be sick of my story. And Because I'm sure when you were going through treatment, like every time you had to tell somebody or like, you're sick and you're telling the hospital what's up it's just like oh, I don't want to talk about this again when you talk to another survivor or uh, someone at the organization that had that cancer alliance they'll treat you like you and I would they're just like a friend and you know what can we do to help I may not be able to help you financially but I can get you in touch with Jason and I can get you in touch with the head and neck cancer alliance or if you're if you need maybe recipes I have a friend who's written books about different recipes for to eat while you're in treatment anything like that that's just the little things that as people you and I can do and I, I know that organization can do a lot more but you should never be afraid to just take that first step and reach out I agree we have a, um, an ambassador program, mm -hmm. which is survivors, caregivers, patients who tell their story. And obviously, you know, someone may not relate to me or others, but someone within the ambassador program, which is on the website or just talking to the organization, should be able to relate to that person who's calling. And just being able to give them support, answer questions, I think is, is just important. Right. And even... Important. When probably when you were diagnosed, uh, how many years ago was it? So it was 2014. So it's almost six. Okay. So, so it would have been it was eight. I was diagnosed May 2014. Okay. When I was diagnosed in 2007, there were a lot less, uh, I would say, online support or a lot less people who were blogging and you know doing shows and stuff like you and I are. But now you can. You know, Google head or neck cancer, I would definitely contact your organization. You could find somebody, you know, like Jason, who could just help you out. Or like, if you're like, hey, J Jason doesn't know. I'm sure he knows a survivor that you can talk to that has a similar background. Or the head and neck cancer alliance can, like you said, connect you with somebody who has a similar background. Because sometimes 
guys want to talk to guys and women want to talk to women. They don't want to cross that gender thing or whatever. They want to try to find somebody who has a similar experience. So I think that's also important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody wants to relate. Right. Or or everybody wants someone they can relate the most closely to. I think it makes them realize that if this person was okay and they had exactly what I had and they're just like me or similar to me, I'll be okay as well. Right. So I do think having that diversity is important because it allows more people to feel more comfortable with, you know, an unfortunate diagnosis of cancer of any type, of any type. Right. So what all is going on with the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance uh, next month is screenings and all sorts of things. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very exciting. And again, mm-hmm. the official dates are, you know, April 13th through the 19th. And if this year is anything like last year, which I don't know um, how much was shared with you already numbers-wise, but there were, I mean, it was, it was a tremendous amount. There was something like 41 states. I'm going to get these numbers. These are going to be close to being as accurate as possible. 41 states, 17 countries had screenings. There were, I think it was like 250 plus partners holding multiple screenings. And it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was something like 71, 7,700 individuals screened, 600 people being referred for further evaluation. And so this next month is a big deal in awareness and screenings, hopefully protecting people from what could come from you know, a head and neck issue if they weren't screened. And so there are many, many locations all over the country, which again, that information is available on the website and, and it can be provided, but there are plenty of places nationally that are gonna be doing these screenings and it's a huge number, which again, what does that mean? That means great work to protect people. And so I worked a screening last year, and we had a screening last year, and most people were just like I was back in 2014, didn't even realize head and neck cancer was a cancer. Right. Because it's not one that's oftentimes spoken about, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's not one of the the more common cancers. I mean, yeah. I mean, 100% correct. And and when they looked at all the screenings, by the way, I, I do know this network. I know that on average they screened at each location around 80 people. Wow. And so it was a lot of just great information being shared, people being seen. The Head and Neck Cancer Alliance provides information to the different sites regarding education. And so this is our main program to early detection to hopefully, you know, I, I almost said save people, but really protect people. From, from cancer that, that obviously can create significant problems if not detected early. Right. So and I, these I mean, awareness programs and, and these screens, there's no cost to that, just so we're clear about that. Mm-hmm. This is medical practitioners, dental clinics. I mean, these are free screenings taking place in communities to just help and protect people. That's amazing. All these people are donating their time and, and the resources. That's just It awesome. is amazing. They're, it's wonderful people helping people when they don't have to. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I always get impressed with these physicians and their staff and just medical, you know, just caregiver, just everyone with care, you know, within the community, mm-hmm. healthcare communities that are willing to give up their time because it's not like they're getting paid by insurance carriers for this. They are just going out, whether it's 
during the day, during their practice hours, or on weekend, and making these things happen and having successful events. I, I honestly, I, yeah, it does can. just great work to help people. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're giving up your time as well going there. I do. You know what? It just. You know, it's true. I, I always think it's funny because it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me of giving up my time. Because mm-hmm. I, I know that when I was going through treatment, one of my clients through our main business, his daughter had been through head and neck cancer. Oh. And I would text her every day because I couldn't talk. And I would text her every day and she would text me back and she would be like, one more day, you're going to be okay. Just one more day. And it was just that little bit of information telling, telling me it was just one more day and that I was gonna be okay that allowed me to get through the tough patches. Exactly. And so it just seems like that's what we do, right? What you do, what I do. I mean, yeah. To do good and to help people. That's that's all it takes. And like I said before, if you're someone's friend and you don't wanna be like, well, I don't wanna ask them how they're, how they're feeling today. Send them like a little meme through or through a text or like a little funny picture or tell them a joke. You don't, you know, you don't have to like, See, like you said, you, she sent a text. You don't have to see them every day, but as long as they know that you're you're there, thinking about them, you know that's that's what matters. And I think Correct. we're we're a society where we don't call people anymore, which I don't know. But you know, at least if somebody's sending you a text or saying like, "Hey, just thinking about you," keep your heads up. We'll have pizza next week or something. That that one little text, just. You may think, oh, I'm just going to say hi and see how they're doing. They don't have to respond. That may get that person through the entire week, the entire month, just knowing that, oh, wow, Jason reached out to me, and he didn't have to. You know, I know he's busy with his life, but he said, hey, hope you're doing well. Let's grab a pizza, watch some Netflix, something, when you're ready. I mean, that, you have no idea how much just something like that could affect your friend or a cancer survivor that you're reaching out to. Just those little things that can get you through the day have the most profound effect, I believe. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's honestly, it's, I'm sure you get the exact same feedback, but I'll call someone back. And I had someone call me back and they said, oh my God, I can't believe you're calling me back. I thought your assistant was going to call me. <laughs> I'm like, my assistant? <laughs> I have a you know, family business, full-time career. This is what I do to just help people. I don't have it on a system. <laughs> <My> <laughs> I mean, assistant. I have the head and neck cancer lines, which, you know, they're, they're awesome, but I mean, I guess they could be considered assistance in, in the good work that we're all doing worldwide, but I don't have an assistant for a Superman HPV. I mean, these, we have support, you know, it takes a, a village right. or a team of people. But for me personally, I just call people back, which I'm, you know, I always just think it's funny when people get amazed that I'm calling them when yeah, and it's like what you said, just a few words of inspiration you want to give to hopefully help people feel better and do good. Exactly, exactly. Well, we're almost out of time, so is there anything else that we want to talk about? I know we have the the, the screenings. We can look at uh, what's the website for the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance? Headandneck.org. Headandneck.org. And then if they want to reach out to you, Jason? They can reach out to me either at, I'll give you my email address, it's jason at supermanhpv.com okay i also have superman hpv on facebook twitter um just launching really instagram but it's really been primarily through facebook chat and twitter and certainly um you have my email and believe it or not i know that you'll like this my cell phone is 
5614. Mm-hmm. I get texts from people all over um, the countries and all over the world and WhatsApp and whatever. And I know you might think I'm crazy for giving out my cell phone, <laughs> but it's on my website. It's, people have free access to it. And if it helps a survivor or caregiver, I just tell people, call or text me. And, um, and I'll get back to them as quickly as I possibly can. Exactly. And um, and I have to thank you again. I know, um, I don't know, I would assume everyone thanks you, <laughs> but my goal is to have my cancer story shared in as many languages as possible on all seven continents to save that, lives worldwide. That would be awesome. And, and I appreciate you caring about sharing my story, talking about the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance, and I hope this goes viral and it, you get recognition, which I know you already have, for the great work you're doing to help people. So thank you again. Oh, you're very welcome. I mean, I think every survivor's story is important. And someone listening to this might might go to the screening, and then hopefully they don't find out they have cancer. But if they do, you and I can help them from there. I agree with you. So. 100%. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Jason. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you.